Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Can you see it's recording your side? I see that. Amazing. I am delighted to be doing this. Thank you so much for joining the Bra Brave clan. It's so exciting. I'm so happy you asked me. It's absolutely amazing. I feel privileged to be part of it. Thank you. Oh, that's so kind. So I am speaking to the very awesome Lynn Hamilton of We Read Upcycles. And Lynn, I've met you once online, correct? Yes, uh uh-huh. But I feel like I've known you for ages. Like, I don't, I, I, there must be something about you. But honestly, so you kindly came to a workshop that I was leading a couple of weeks ago online. And honestly, I came off, I, this is a genuine thing, I came off going, have I met Lynn before and I'm not, I'm not remembering? Because you made me feel so relaxed in your company, albeit online, that I was like, I feel as if I know Lynn. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that was a great, um, it was great to come along to that because I had listened to some of your podcasts. Yeah, it was so nice just to kind of see everybody and connect with everybody. And I do, I think, yeah, I think I'm like that. I chat to anybody and everybody. And I'm from Glasgow originally. And I think we can chat like forever to anybody about anything. And I just, that's what I like. I like chatting to people and talking to people. And yeah, I'm glad that you felt like like that but yeah that's nice (laughs) such an important quality to have and you know it's a special skill if somebody can make other people feel welcomed in their presence as soon as they meet them yeah I don't really realize I do and quite a lot of people have said that to me about you know you're just quite welcoming I just talk to people how I would like to be talked to basically and 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 speak with people and I don't I think a lot of people don't do that or didn't do that before you know lockdown and everything we kind of became quite disjointed I think it's communities and you know I'll I'll walk down the street here and I'll just say hello to people even if I don't know them like hiya you all right just walking past people because you know, they might not speak to anybody. And I think it's so important to speak to people and just to see how, you know, to check in with people. Um, And especially, you know, just now, I just, I am missing people. I am missing being with people. I'm missing doing workshops and having that interaction because there's nothing like it. And I mean, I have to say online is brilliant because could you imagine if I never had that? If this happened when I was, you know, growing up, you know we had to go outside in the street or there was a neighbour down downstairs that had a telephone and it was one that you used to put um money in that had a wee lock around it and everything that was in their house oh god I'm showing my age here <laughs> uh, but yeah if we never had like this I mean this has been a godsend for a lot of people and for those that are like you know we're isolated um so yeah it's a wee bit scary I think for a lot of people to go online and stuff and that's what we've been trying to do as well as well you know work with individuals and work with um, some people in our groups to kind of break down those those barriers and try and just talk them through um, and demystify, you know, what going online means, um, you know, from little Facebook pages and groups and stuff. But yeah, just try to speak and just chat really plainly and simply and just 
put people at ease because it's really scary and I think once you get yourself worked up about something um you know a lot of people um that were coming to our workshops and things and some of our groups that we work with with people who learn disabilities where we were totally feared of you know oh, what do you mean I have to do this what what's the zoom link what's this you know so it was um yeah. the, the skills have totally nailed it now like probably not more than what I do which is fantastic so this you know for all this situation this you know 2020 and right now has been quite dire there's been a lot of positives in there as well you know like learning new skills it's forced us to do things differently it's forced us to 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 totally go out our comfort zone obviously meeting you at that workshop and then you'd kindly followed the bro and the brave on instagram so then I, I followed you back and then i was looking at what you you're up to and obviously in that workshop i didn't get a chance to really speak to you and get to know about you and i was like but i want to know more what is we read up cycles like who is lynn like what is she up to this all looks amazing so that's why you're here that's why you're on the podcast because to me you know i just got that amazing vibe from you like i say and then everything that i've seen online just looks awesome lynn so before we get really into in a nutshell if you could sum up we read up cycles could you put it into a couple of sentences so we read up cycles is a social enterprise and we work predominantly with adults and young people that face barriers basically from disabilities to those with additional support needs and to those that might be just disengaged and we use creativity and furniture upcycling to you know teach skills and build confidence and come together and build friendships Um, so it's totally about people first and we use creativity to just engage with people I really should have like a proper, you know, elevator pitch, but I change it every time. <laughs> that was absolutely perfect. I, I felt like you were like a you, you were a seasoned pro at that. You must have to to say that quite a lot when people go, "What do you do?" And you're like, "Well, I know." Well, I do quite a lot of things. So it's just it did start off to create to create a space and to break down barriers where people with disabilities and learning um, additional support needs could come be themselves you know create a really non-judgmental friendly environment but you know worked with women's groups and that's something really important to me as well you know to build the confidence and self-esteem of women who just might be facing some awful barriers whether it be you know domestic abuse mental health issues or you know just really challenging times or just need something different to do to build their confidence but also um, I'm really passionate about working with young people to give them the to give them opportunities that they might not have you know through free workshops and things I grew up um, in a one-parent family with my mum and my sister and we had no money it was very difficult for us to access those you know those workshops or those summer camps and things like that um so I just think that every child should be able to do that regardless of their situation in life but there's also oh god there's just so much I want to do because I want to work with and uh, we're trying to do that as well work with young people who are facing homelessness and maybe going into their you know their first tenancy as well and you know mm. could we help them with you know learning the skills and how to take a piece of ugly furniture and make it their own you know totally personalize it and so they have ownership of that when it's in their flat because that's really important to me as well personally so yeah there's there's a lot that I want to do and and you know different groups and I think that's that's been the challenge when I set up We Red Up Cycle there was so much I wanted to do and I found it really difficult to try and explain 
who I wanted to work with and why and how I was going to do it because there was just so many different elements. So I do have a tendency to uh, go off in tangents, you know. I think I think quite a lot of creative people do, and that's just how my brain works. Yes, <laughs> probably. I'm your pal. Lisa, yeah. <laughs> I think when you come together with people, it just sparks more, you know, ideas and opportunities, and that that's what I love. Um, yeah. And that's what we've missed so much about oh. this year, eh? just being in the room with people. And you'll have been in spaces where actual magic has happened when you see a light bulb moment for a young person or a woman that you're working with. And there's nothing quite like that. And that's the privilege of the kind of work that you get to do with We Red Up Cycles. But it sounds to me that that is a massive undertaking from the outset then today and all the things that you've had to contend with in like the last year. But what was the initial inspiration or impetus for setting it up because I know you obviously touched on your own background but was there one particular scenario or, or person that inspired We Did Up Cycles? Do you know I do I, I get asked that a quite a wee bit actually by people and it's a combination of things so I, I worked in the social care sector for 16 years as a support worker and then I was um, a manager with um, a charity called the Action Group and I still work for them actually as a casual support worker so I guess it was you know working with people with um, additional support needs and seeing the lack of opportunities but also the lack of understanding and just the lack of awareness from the public in general and how just how to treat another person regardless of you know what you think is going on with that person um I would I would support people and we would try and access because creativity is a really big part of uh, I think me in general um it's not like an add-on it's not a wee hobby it's who I am and having that creative outlet has really helped me through through my life um so I studied textile design at uh, Scottish School of Textiles and I've always used creativity and I went once I graduated I went into um retail uh, well, before that, actually, I was a kilt weaver, so I wove fabric wow. for, for kilts because I, I specialised in woven fabric. And then I went into wow. retail, and it was just it's not what I wanted to do. I just had enough after like three years of graduating. I thought, what am I doing? You know, and I went in just to earn money to pay the rent. Da, 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 and I thought, what are you doing? Um, so I just left. I had no other job to go to. And then I was a trolley dolly on the trains up and down to London. <laughs> Where are you? Yes. The 5am train from um, Waverley to London, King's Cross. <laughs> you would have just been a total ray of sunshine on that train. I can just see you now. It was so funny. But on a Friday from Newcastle upwards, oh my lordy, yeah. There was um, a lot of shenanigans on, on there. But I Wild times on yeah, the trains. Exactly. But I wasn't scared to tell people, oi, get a grip. Come on, what's going on? you know, just calm down a bit until you go off the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to get to the end of my shift and you're going to get lifted. So shush, you know. So just having that way of talking to people and I've always been able to kind of adapt that. Anyway, I was six, six months on the trains up and down to London. But then I was like, yeah, it was just not what I wanted to do. But then I found a job, um, exactly what I wanted to do, working with people, making a difference, um, supporting people to be independent um, and to live the life that they want to live and you're just there to assist and help in any way you can and that was perfect that was ideal and I'd never done support work before 
Um, and it's more than care work. It's not just going in and, you know, working with somebody and doing some personal care and doing things for that person. It's support work as a whole. And I don't think it's recognised enough. So the social care sector is about empowering those people with disabilities or additional support needs or whatever condition or whatever support they are needing in their life to live the best life that they want to live. Um, and it's challenging for sure, but it's so rewarding and it taught me so, so much. And I love it. And, you know, for people to get pushed out of their comfort zones as well. They want to achieve something, but they don't know how they're going to do it. And that's what I love about it. You know, that's where I use my creativity in working with those individuals to build up that trust, you know. So mm-hmm. we would do something yes. that we'd enjoy and, you know, showing we could do we craft things or, you know, where it be decorating or try to decorate their house or buy nice wee things or go to groups or other things. But the, the total lack of... um you know, opportunities or workshops for, you know, photography, art, pottery, that they really understood that person. Um, you know, we'd always face these barriers where, oh well, it's not it's not a class for people with disabilities or additional support needs. That has to be another class. And I'm like, well why? Why can't we just come in and join your class? I mean a lot has changed that you know, I'm I'm going back to, you know, early two thousand. So I just started doing my own wee workshops with people in my, my spare time and you know people are supported and I was like well you could do this you know and it builds up their confidence and self-esteem and you're like well look what you just did there you, you didn't think you would do that and having something tangible to show some people just might need a, a you know somebody to go along with them and be that extra wee pair of hands whatever but it was that lack of um it's a lack of understanding and awareness I think we have we have came a you know we've came a wee bit but as with everything you know and we haven't came far enough (laughs) um you know just with 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 disabilities in general and quite the same with a lot of things you know we're in what 2021 and you know there's still a lot of discrimination there's still a lot of you know huge amounts of barriers for a lot of people I mean I mean look at 2020 you know with the the Black Lives Movement and we shouldn't even we're in 2021 and these things shouldn't even be needed to be but we've still got so far to go and women's rights as well and all the things that have gone on just now with women and women's safety and rights and it's not you know it's about our society and how we think so needs changed and I'm hoping I just I just pray that you know 20 20 and COVID in 2021 you know people will change or see some change happening and that can be you know just accelerated more. I'm sure there's like a million things that you can kind of account for over the years of We Red Up Cycles but from the origins of it to now what has the evolution been like? What did you start with and where has it grown to? So um started doing we we workshops and classes and and just renting places and things like that locally um and that kind of grew from what I was saying before as a support worker working with people and doing things and then friends said oh can you teach me how to do this so I would rent like uh, there was a pop-up shop in in Dunbar and East Lothian and it was empty and you could rent it and set up shop and do that so somebody persuaded me like just do it it's like 20 quid a day have a few people come see how you go on so I did that and then I was like I need to do I need this to be bigger you know I could see what could be achieved I could see how it was impacting people and 
still working as a support worker. The girls, they call themselves the girls group. They're young, they're young women. They're just trying to make themselves feel younger. So I'm, I'm quite happy to see I'm in the girls group because it makes me a lot younger. <laughs> so I'm like, we need to come up with a good name. They're like, Nolan, we're like this. It makes us feel young. I said, like, enough. <laughs> uh, you know, there was about six of them, and I'd work on a Friday night. And they're like, Lynn, go and teach us how to do this and do this. Um, so we'd upcycle furniture. We'd make things out of pallet wood. So yeah. It kind of evolved from there and I thought, this needs to be bigger. How can I make this bigger? Bear in mind, I've got three children. Um, oldest is 14. Nancy is 11. She's going to be 12. And then I've got my youngest, Marin, who's eight. Nancy, our middle child, has a disability as well. So there was a lot going on with her. And she has a, a movement disorder, a neurological movement disorder called dystonia. And it's progressively impacted her mobility. Um, she's lost her speech through it she never had brilliant speech but the speech she did have we've lost so there was a lot of things going on there and we were trying to figure out what was going on with Nancy so she's 11 now so this would have been um you know when I was doing all these wee groups was probably about six years ago and I'm thinking this needs to be something bigger how can I do this so anyway it came about I was on Twitter one day and saw the school of social entrepreneurs I thought what's a social enterprise? You know, description was, you know, you want to make a difference to, to people or, you know, environmental impact. And this was a startup program. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to write something for that. Never done anything like that before, ever. So yeah, I sent the application away and I got an interview. So I got a date to have an interview and it was totally like a three-part thing. This was a big thing. So, and I was like, I don't even know what a social enterprise is. Is that what I'm doing? Um, is this what I want to do? I'm going to go on it anyway. But, you know, and I thought, let's just do this because our, our lives were on hold for, for you know, quite a wee while trying to figure out what was going on with Nancy. So I got an email to say that, you know, we'd love you to come for a, an, an interview. So there's three stages. There was like, um, like an interview, then there was another chat I think and then you had to do a pitch at the Royal Bank of Scotland in the mound it was totally like Dragon's Den I have never been like so like I was close just to losing it and like just I just was like I'm going to I'm going to pee my pants here oh my god I was so scared like my heart was pounding so I eventually got in there you know but for every stage I went to I was like what am I doing this is just stressing me out why am I doing this but I'm never one for, you know, taking the easy route out of things, to be honest. I kind of make things more difficult for myself. But anyway, yeah, so I pitched to, you know, I think there was about six people in, in, in the room. There was four people from the bank and some people from the School of Social Entrepreneurs. The Scottish School of Social Entrepreneurs and Tracy Muirhead was one of them. And she just was like, you can do this. You know, what you're saying is really good and everything. And I was like, I don't think you don't have facts, figures, this, that. What am I supposed to And I just actually spoke from my heart. I had to do a three-minute pitch. And, yeah, I got in. So that was my... That was my eyes open to the world of social entrepreneurs. And I was the only one. There were 17 of us, I think, that, that got in the, uh, the cohort 2016 to 2017. And one of those, there was amazing, amazing people doing amazing things on that programme. And Selena Hales from Refugee was one of them. No way! Yeah, there was just so many amazing people. And I'm just like, oh my God. And they were a bit further on in their journey. I was literally, I have an idea. I've never heard of social entrepreneurship. 
and they'd already been through a few other things and kind of setting up and you know trialing you know maybe a year or two down so I was I was the one who was right at the very very start but still in touch with all of them and they have been amazing support um so it was 2016 it was amazing experience and learning it was a real juggling thing because we were going through so much like I say with Nancy and we were up and down to London seeing specialists and we knew at some point you know that she was going to need brain surgery as well so we eventually you know we're figuring this out and by the time I got on to this program we knew at some point and we were just waiting for basically a date for her to get surgery so of course I started this program and yeah our lives have been on hold for about a year and a half and years it's going to happen but you know start this program and it could be our lives could be on hold for a wee while for Nancy so may as well start it may as well just just keep going and living try to get through you know everyday life and then um we got a date for Nancy's surgery <laughs> for I was like oh my god um yeah it was March 2017 that her surgery that she was due surgery so we were up and down to London I was up and down to London with Nancy the majority of the time it was me every month and we were doing lots of tests and lots of other things and assessments and stuff like that basically they drilled into her brain so she has two rods right the way down into her brain and it's connected to a little wire that comes round under her skin and um, behind her ear across her chest to a wee box in her belly wow. and she gets charged with this little round device so it sends little electric pulses to the brain the movement disorder it's just like her her little signals are going why they don't quite know why it happened or why it does happen the type of dystonia that mm. it has it started quite early on when she was about three she was just tiptoe walking and then um, we were written off quite a lot of times but you know things she couldn't walk properly she would just run and it would be the momentum that would keep her going then she would fall and then she'd be up and run so she would fall about 60 times a day at least and touch wood thankfully she'd never had a major injury from that because the body kind of mm-hmm. just going to fall um but her spine started to curve so she had big curvature of the spine and her speech was really impacted but by the time we went to surgery and things we pretty much lost that and if we'd been diagnosed a wee bit earlier we might have been able to keep some fun so that that that's a real thing for me is that communication for nancy the whole trauma of going through all this and having to you know sign that waiver you know it was the worst day of my life um and all the guys on the School of Social Entrepreneurs were brilliant and I still kept it up and I still did everything and three kids and we were up and down to London and then her brain surgery was March. And yeah, when I look back, I'm like, oh, how the hell did you do that? Yeah, I think that, you would have why? had real permission to go, yeah. you know what, see the social enterprise, I don't really need to do it right now. But when Nancy, yeah, but she made me even more determined because... She's the one that drives me on now because she's 11 now and I need to do this and create something that she can benefit from and that I can show her there is there there's a way your path is going to be different but we're going to think out of the box outside the box and we are going to push you and I don't want her to be written off at any stage so yeah so she had that the, the brain surgery and I was still on the, the School of Social Entrepreneurs. And then she had to go for brain surgery again because one of the wires snapped in her head. So in October, 
2017 we were in for a second time and she is such she is the most amazing just fiercely determined girl you were meet well you you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree lynn hamilton like where did she get that from <laughs> i know i'm terrible i don't listen to people either somebody tells me i can't do something i'll be like watch me i don't know how i'm going to do it but i'm determined i'm going to and i'm more determined if yeah. people tell me you can't do it, even if i don't really want to do it because they've said like so growing up if somebody told me i couldn't do something or that was out of bounds for me that was like a red flag to bill i was like right that's it I can do this but I think that's so important for any any young people to see their parents to or to see the adults in their life the people that they're surrounded by challenging themselves that, that you don't just get to an age and decide well that's it and you know I'm in my comfort zone like I think it's super important for young people to see adults also coming out of their comfort zone and doing things that are scary and trying new things and going, do you know what? We're just going to experiment. We're just going to see if this works and it might be hard and we might fail, but at least we say we gave it a go. And, you know, as a mum of three children and all the challenges that you've got in your life anyway, just the fact that you've kept this enormous task challenge going because you believe in it so much will just be inspiring your family and the people, obviously the people you work with, that's evident, of course, but your family alone, like, I think that's that's awesome that you're doing that for your children. Yeah, it's a total family affair half the time. I get, get, <laughs> I can imagine. In here. Everybody like, roped in. One down here. And it has been, it has not been easy. I've been at breaking point so many times thinking, what am I doing? Am I doing this? It's been quite detrimental to my mental health at points. Because I, I don't know the funding world. It's, it's a total new game to me. So a lot of things I have done, I have just went, you know, jumped in and did it and figured it out. And it's not been the right way to do it, but it was a way, looking back, that I, I didn't know any better. So I'm quite happy to give people advice about <laughs> not to do it. Like, totally find some funding first before you commit to having premises, like I did. Uh, and that's been a headache. But I've still hung on to it, and now we've got a bit of funding things. Um, but again, I, I didn't have a salary um, because I just little bits here and there. And I was still doing support work. I was going to do sleepover shifts, so I would like go away and come back early in the morning because my husband would be working because I needed to bring in some money and this was like almost on the side on top of everything so and I felt like I couldn't you know say I need to stop this completely because you know you have to you have to eat you have to put a roof over your head I needed to make some contribution into the household so yeah doing that but yeah anyway apart from we I managed to graduate the school of social entrepreneurs in October 2017 we got discharged Nancy got discharged from hospital the day before the graduation and I was like I don't know if I can do this don't know if I can go you know my husband's like go Nancy will be fine I'm here so I went myself a total gibbering because I hadn't processed it anything it's all like adrenaline that whole year and I, I think there's times that I still haven't processed a lot of things or things will come up and like just hit me sometimes and I'm like whoa yeah um but yeah, so I, I got there and got up on the stage and spoke about what I was doing. But I still didn't, I kind of felt like a bit of a fraud as well. Because I'm like, I wanted to be a bit further. And I wanted, you know, to be, I didn't say that when I was on stage, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, talking about my, my projects and stuff like that and how, you know, this, this year and, and the, the small pot of funding that we got, which was the first funding I got for anything, which was amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Managed to do that, and then I 
I incorporated as a community interest company in January 2018 and then thought what am I going to do <laughs> and I'm like oh I'm kind of that's me I'm a social enterprise and then I found premises and I came into the premises in Haddington with another person who had a business and she was like Lynn I know you don't have a fund or whatever but we can make this work and we were like yep I can so she was happy to kind of you know pay some costs and stuff like that until I got funding and I was like yeah yeah I'll get, absolutely all right this funding get that funding da, 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 da. and that didn't quite happen to plan um so that was the most stressful one of the most stressful things mm. that I've had had to deal with you know and at one point in 2019 I just thought I need to maybe stop and let go of the premises but I couldn't I thought I've came this far I can't let go of anything so I just kept going <laughs> literally pretty much kept going like was on my knees at that point but I was like no this is this needs to be something bigger this needs to be because I've got visions of this not just being doing workshops I've got visions of you know having the place where we can manufacture little products and really give people an opportunity for employment and teach employability skills and you know part of we read up cycles the bit we work in can be opened up as a shop and we did that just Christmas past and it was really successful so I've had the premises for about three years but I've kind of stopped not stopped and start I've always felt everything's a bit of stop and start and try to get people to help it's not trying to get people people want to help I just don't know what I need it's that navigating, isn't it? You know, like you're saying, you went from not knowing what a social enterprise was to running one. Yeah. You can't be expected to know it all right away. Like everything's a learning curve. It's, you know, we're learning all the time. But I, I love the fact that you do it anyway. That it doesn't, you know, it scares you and it's hard. Oh, and yeah. You're saying that you don't necessarily yeah. get it right. But you, Lynn, clearly still do it. And it's because you have that 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 innate belief in what you're doing. And that you've you've been in the room with people and seen how important the work is that it almost like you, you can't not do it. No, exactly. That's it. I can't not do it because I can't walk away from this, you know. So I was like, Lynn, you have been in tougher situations than this. Get a grip, get your big pants on and just get going. <laughs> you know, I have had to do that. A I'm lot just gonna I'm just gonna hire you to be my motivational <laughs> speaker, Lynn. Like see if you if I woke up every day and you were like, Lisa, put your big pants on, I'd be like, right, Lynn, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. But it is, it's like I've been in tougher situations than this growing up and having to navigate a lot of things. Um, you know, I was homeless at fifteen, um, I had my own flat at sixteen. Uh, put myself through school I got to university do you know and I'm just like you've done and got through so much crap in your life Lynn this is nothing just do it you know and if you you know can go through having you know your middle child go through two brain surgeries and deal with that you just need to do this because this is going to be the future for Nancy you know I see Nancy yeah. comes in here um, in 2019 this that was a year in 2019 where we did all our projects and really piloted them we did our first summer workshop for kids you know some were paid those that could afford paid and then we had spaces for those that couldn't and would never be able to go on something like that and it was called our our waste warriors so we had that and it was you know for the whole week coming together and making things out of you know waste materials and really and actually we had power tools they had access to power tools um (laughs) 
some of the parents were like, what? I said, it's okay, I've done the risk assessment, it's fine. They'll only do it with me. And, da, 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 da. and they were like, right, amazing. Okay. And the kids were like, yes, we get a hammer, yes. we get nails. You know, we're at the workbench. Totally. We've got an old school workbench, you know, in the woodwork that you have with the vices yeah. and that. So we've got one oh, of those. Cool. They're super cool. I'm like, right, these are the rules. Don't go jamming each other in this face, you know? So it was a yes. bit like, oh, my God, have I bitten off more than I can chew? But you it's know? that trust as well. And you were talking earlier on, like, allowing people, like, to just try things and, and not saying, oh, that's going to be too much for you. In fact, I just move aside. I'll do it for you. No, like, hold a hammer. Absolutely. Well, there's like, risks, isn't there? But I think we need course. to take risks. Yeah, you know what you're doing. It's all risk assessed, you know. The, you know, it's all set up professionally, Absolutely. of course. But at the end of the day, strip all the stuff away. People should just be allowed to try things. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just never know what you, you might be able to do and be capable of. Well, exactly. And it was amazing to see. The kids absolutely loved it. We had kids there who were on autistic spectrum. We had kids there. Nancy was there. So she's non-verbal. So we were learning sign along as well. So we used signs for Nancy. So the other kids were learning signs as well. There was a few that came at different points who had um, mobility issues. So they were wheelchair users. And it was just all of that. See kids all together just together with their peers not this is a separate group for kids with disabilities additional support needs you know th- those groups are needed but there needs to be groups where integration is there to normalize things you know nancy used to use use a walker and the kids would be like oh what's that you know mum's people would be like oh don't ask that don't do that i'm like no come on nancy we'd show them a walker they would have a go in her wheelchair she's now got an electric wheelchair she uses part of the time most of the time Hmm. So, you know it's about demystifying things and growing up because you know yes well why not <laughs> it's just i just yeah. understand that yeah, and allowing allowing young people to ask the questions if they're absolutely sure are about brilliant. something because like yeah you have to just be honest and open and, and and feel free enough to ask the questions and not like you say and not being taboo that's what you learn by asking questions if you don't know something then you just ask totally and kids will just say how it is and ask well this is is true which is just brilliant (laughs) and i love it so you know that year was the year we did our, our summer camps our workshops we also ran workshops for 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 women facing multiple barriers we also did lots of our projects with um the young people with disabilities and additional support needs and they were actually saying right Lynn we want to do this and I was like right let's find a way to do this let's find a way to make this they were amazing made lots of products upcycled furniture as well sold it at stalls and craft stalls so they had that interaction with other people you know they took the money they were chatting about what they did and you should have seen them they were beaming they were so proud of themselves and like we did this we did that and it was just phenomenal and I was like this is it this is what so when I see all that that drives me further um so 2020 just blew everything out of the bloody water because that's when we were going to do more things things were more structured we've done our learning we've done all these things we've got all our feedback this is it we're going for it you know and um yeah 2020 <laughs> another curveball there for you Lynn exactly well it, and I didn't have much money and you know we didn't have much money in the bank and you lockdown was coming in and I thought I don't know if we're going to be able to survive this so I went do you know what there's so many kids out there they're going to be stuck in the house the families are going to struggle because art materials and craft materials and to keep those kids occupied will be way down in that list so what I did before we just went into lockdown, I took all the money pretty much that we had. We did up cycles and, you know, we've got lots of craft stuff here as well and things have been donated and stuff like that. 
So as everybody was, you know, fighting and getting stressed out about their toilet rolls and all that, I was going in and clearing the shelves of all the craft and art materials at the B&M store and the, the, you know, all these wee crafty places. Yeah. And I was going out to the pound shop, what have you got that I can use that we can afford? So I just got this and I thought, right, that's it. I'm making up craft packs, creative packs, and I'm going to deliver them to all the families I know locally. And I'm going to get in contact with some other people, organisations that I know, see what we can do. So I started doing that and then we got funding and we started working with um, Homestart and the food banks and all the other organisations um, around East Lothian, Heavy Sound Inc. In fact, that's another social enterprise. Jordan was on the School of Social Entrepreneurs as well with me then. And these people that were on that amazing programme I was on yeah. years ago are still there and they've, they've, they've been you know, to ask for advice and just to kind of be there to support each other. It's been amazing, even though they've got all their things going on themselves. I think that's what it's about, just supporting each other. And do you have, like, a team behind you, Lynn? Like, do you have other people that are either volunteering or that you've been able to, like, bring in funding to have that support for you? For you? Because it just sounds like... What a monumental task to run this. Yeah, I say we, but sometimes I feel like it's a royal we. And um, we're a very small team, as in like me. <laughs> no, there are myself and I. <laughs> myself and I. No, I've got a couple of people on our on our board who are amazing. I've got a really good friend who helps me and keeps me on track, actually, who has a has a full time job herself. But you know, I keep trying to like I will bring her in at some point where we've got a plan to try and get get her in on some level. And, you know, she stayed at the unit at our premises, you know, with me till two, three in the morning doing stuff. And that is what I literally do here. We ha- we've had like loads of people throughout 2020 really come in and chip in. And we've worked with so many different organizations to get packs out to people, you know, because I was like, what can I do? What are the skills that I've got that I can use to help people? And that's what it is. It, you know, it's a drop in the ocean, basically. But collectively, when people come together, you know, we've got the food bank delivering parcels. We've got our, you know, community kitchen here locally that are doing hot foods um, to, to people that were isolated. So it's just working out and thinking, what can I do? Can I then give you a pack for those adults, you know, just to help with their well-being, you know, creative colouring in and it was so appreciated. You know, the feedback yeah. I got was blown away. And I'm like, but it's only it's not that much it's like you know an adult coloring book and pencils and a nice wee card and a bar of chocolate but it's not to be underestimated the effort like you could have you could have just went do you know what we're on pause because you've got a family you've got your job you've got your life amidst covid you know and the stress of like not being able to run we red up cycles the way that you want to would have been enough to just go you know, we would like to do something, but we can't. But the fact that you, before the lockdown, were running about <laughs> emptying all the shelves of craft stuff to make sure that other people were okay. But that's, again, it's that tapping into that idea that creativity and doing something with your hands and, you know, that, that mindful aspect of being creative is so important. Like, of course, it's mega appreciated and it's not to be underestimated. It is that, you know, it's the simple little things of kindness and that goes a long way to show people that actually you were thinking about them and they meant something. So so given given a you know, creative packs I would be go, I was going about doing all these wee 
door stop drops with all these wee bags full of stuff and the kids were at the window going oh, Lynn's here Lynn's here and that just I was greeting all the time I'm not even joking I, I, was, just, you are. I was just going about like an, a mess and we gave out I think about 3,500 craft packs and that was with you know working with Homestar Katie Pollock the manager from from Homestar East Lothian came and said right Lynn I see you've been doing this what can we do and she went and got the funding and I was like right we need to make up loads more craft packs and we were thinking like how can we stretch the money how can we do more because we only had like we thought we we're going to do 700 and I was like we've got to do more we've got to do more so <laughs> 3,500 but then we did about 900 adult well-being packs as well so it has been really amazing and you're right I could have just went can't do this I was still working as a support worker and I was doing more shifts per week so we could keep the team really small with the one girl I work with and my husband also works for the charity I work for the action group he's he's a development manager so our house became a command station from like the 23rd of of March and we were doing lives my husband was jumping in doing lives and dressing up I'm not just talking about saying hi like you know the people that the action group Mm. support we're talking about the whole like you know do you remember stars in the eyes and stuff like that yes and the kids were getting involved the dog was getting involved I was doing craft things we were pretty much putting on a show each day or or week when we had our turn to connect and keep those people with support you know involved because we couldn't provide all of their support face to face and it was only ones who were getting 24-hour care but we did that in a different way I was down here at We Red until three and four in the morning and then going back up the road and homeschooling (laughs) nearly killed me so yeah it was a pretty crazy time, but this year I'm so super excited. I've got lots and lots of things to, to, to be getting on with and lots of amazing opportunities. But yeah, we're needing to grow um, our team as in mm-hmm. paid staff and hopefully that that will come with the next funding lot. I just think it's so fitting that you're wearing a hope badge today, Lynn. I think you're an actual symbol of hope. The future is bright if we've got people like you in it and I, I genuinely mean that. Like I'm totally moved by everything you're, you're telling me and I'll never complain ever again about being busy because <laughs> anytime I go to complain I'll be like I'm pretty sure Lynn Hamilton's busier than I am <laughs> no but I'll go like 100 miles an hour and then I'll hit a brick wall you know so I really need to learn that that self-care myself and that well-being so I've been trying to do that over the last wee while with you know trying to take time for myself to do stuff but it's just oozing out you that you 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 just ooze the passion for it and it's so inspiring like listening to your story I'm just like you're amazing like give give Lynn all the money give her all the funding <laughs> give me all the money to do this aha uh-huh. yeah I do I do love it and I'm really passionate about this and it won't stop we're just growing and that's the thing we're just still have to keep reminding myself we're just still like at the start and the tip of the iceberg mm. hopefully by the end of the year we're going to be setting up and we're going to make be making little products and having our young people with additional support needs and disabilities come in and work and um, so we've got a couple of volunteers and and one young woman who has additional support needs and been to lots of things I've known her for a wee while she's totally on board and she that, that's the thing we were just starting with all our volunteers coming in and having that and then COVID hit and she was devastated because this was her independence. She was traveling. She was coming here. This was something she was doing. She was growing in confidence. And it was amazing to see, you know, she even came with me along to the, to a talk for social entrepreneurs. And she stood up and said something that was like, whoa, well 
done and I just wanted to give her a wee round of applause I held it in because I would have embarrassed her obviously but you know I just couldn't believe it she did that because I said to her don't you don't need to yeah. say anything or do anything coming along mm. great you know for that for that experience and opportunity she was a volunteer but no she stood up and she was explaining you know how that volunteering opportunity was great for her and she's coming up with ideas so it's totally not everything is my idea because it needs to be led by the people that are going to benefit from it you know but no we read upcycled is going from strength to strength we're about to launch our website soon it's so overdue i'm such an overthinker as well it's terrible so i've got somebody helping with that i'm really excited actually for we read upcycles this year it feels like we're just coming into our our own it feels like all those ideas Mm. that i had and you know that vision i had is coming and i've got a bigger vision as well to make this bigger because it needs not just to be here it needs to be elsewhere or other programs running elsewhere and stuff so yeah like you say coming out of covid just if there's any opportunity for people to come together and be creative well we will definitely need much more of that i definitely think we do everywhere and that's something that i'm really hoping policymakers and people who have you know the purse strings and everything really appreciate coming out of this how do we help people with their mental health and well-being as well and not just, you know, through counselling or other things? Those are really, really important. But having those things that challenge and help as well, all of this needs to really happen. All those workshops, all those programmes that are bringing people together and whatever aspect that's going to look like over this next year to really improve their mental health and well-being, I really, really want to see a lot more of that because it's just so vital. You know, all the study, studies and research and everything, it's all out there. We know what creativity and the arts, how that benefits people in our society in general and communities. Let's just do it, you know? Anybody listening, how how can they support We Red Upcycles? There'll be so many people listening to this just now, it'll be like, that's amazing. How can we get involved or how can we support? So We Red Upcycles, as we say, you're just about to launch our website as well it's weredupcycles.org and we will have there should be a donate button up there as well if you can donate anything that will go into our project but we're also going to do like if you want to buy a craft pack for a young person or a child or if you want to put some money towards a workshop then that will all be on the website as well but you know just go and like our social medias on facebook twitter and instagram in fact i really need to have somebody to do help me with that because what I don't do enough is shout about everything we do and that's what I need to do more I need to shout about the positive I see it you know but other people don't if you don't shout about it how are anybody going to know so yeah I really need to shout about about the work we do it doesn't come naturally I think because it felt when I was setting up we did up cycles it felt quite a personal thing it's not about me it's about a bigger thing that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast because as soon as I read into the work you're doing I was like I want to shout about this this is amazing like more people need to know about it everything about you is about other people I'm getting that vibe loud and clear so I think you should be shouting about it I just think you know supporting people believing in people and for somebody else to know that there's somebody that believes in them and there's somebody that's cheerleading them on. It just takes one person to really say something really good or positive that will keep you going. And that's what happened to me when I was growing up. You know, my, my family situation thing wasn't, you know, amazing. And 
finding myself homeless at 15 and having like those teachers and some teachers and you know my aunt really pushing me but there was two teachers in particular my art teacher my guidance teacher um that really were like don't worry you've got this you know if you have somebody like that or somebody say you know this is really hard now but you'll get through this and you're doing brilliant you might not feel it but you're doing brilliant you know just to have somebody to say that to you it gives you that wee spark that self-belief you know and if people don't tell you you know positively if it's all negative 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 you start telling yourself all that negative stuff and you start living all that negative stuff rather you don't push yourself out your comfort zone or you don't do the things that would scare you and I think that's that that's something I would say to everybody if it scares you just keep going you know go at your pace but just push through it you know break through that glass ceiling because you can do it for sure because if it was easy everybody would be doing stuff but it's the hard things that just take somebody that extra wee bit of oomph or that extra bit of, I don't know, tenacity just to get through something. And that could just be having somebody that's got your back saying, I'm here. Or do you know what? I, I believe in you. Go do it. And you've obviously, you've taken that, those people in your life, those teachers that said, Lynn, you can do it. And you've you've passed that on. It's that, you know, it's almost like the passing on of like, somebody saw something in me and she you was a cheerleader for me and that's now what you're doing for other people in and that's important as well like as much as it's important to accept compliments and accept support and advice it's also important to give that to other people and I think quite often we can just be like oh well so-and-so knows that they're good like I'm sure there's lots of people that are going Lynn knows that she's great and she's doing good work but it's important sometimes for people to go, Lynn, do you know what? You're absolutely brilliant, by the way, and you're doing amazingly. Keep going. It is for everybody because I have needed that. You know, sometimes, I mean, self-doubt is terrible. Overthinking, I self-doubt all the time. I overthink things, I think, which is just ridiculous when I think about it, but I do. Sometimes I'll overthink something and analyse it too much, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And it, it almost paralyses you from doing the next thing or from going forward and then you just don't do anything so having somebody say that it's so important and I feel like you know I have had that in my life where people have believed in me and I need to give that back and if that person I give that to you know that that I don't know whatever it is support positive energy help you know that that we push and if they're able to get through it and then they can pass that on as well and they can do that to somebody else, that's, you know, that ripple effect. It's yeah. um, just doing the right thing and just being kind. It's just, that's what it is. It's just doing the right thing. You know, if you see somebody struggle, you know, I have been in so many situations and through loads throughout my life. And if I see somebody struggle, I kind of, I get it. I can empathise with them in different situations. Yeah. Just the, the fact that you've, taken the negativity and the hardship in your life and you've turned it into something beautiful and positive that nurtures and supports other people that's really really special in and if anything I want this podcast to be a place where people can be supported and we I can cheerlead other people in the community the broad brave community can support and get to know and appreciate and you know shout the loudest about amazing projects like We Red Upcycles and the kind of people that run them like Lynn Hamilton so I can't thank you enough for joining the Brave clan it's a total honour and privilege to have you as part of this podcast and um, I'm just excited to see what happens next for We Red Upcycles it's going to be 
awesome it's going to be awesome thank you so much do you know i feel so privileged to be able to be part of this this is totally out of my comfort zone to do something like this as well i was like oh my god i'm doing a podcast but actually just do it i'll be fine i just love the fact that you came to a workshop that i was doing online and now we're sitting here having this conversation i know <laughs> do you know what i mean it's just that connection that we've got now and it's wonderful and it's about putting yourself at your comfort zone because when you do or when you get back up when you've been knocked down, like wonderful things can happen. And We Red Upcycles definitely deserves the support to, to grow because you, you do have so many ideas and things that you want to, to see come to fruition. And they'll only serve other people and build confidence and resilience and give opportunity. And what's better than that? Exactly. What is better than that, eh? And I just wish there was, you know, something like this when I was a wee bit younger as well, like, you know, groups or something like that to go to that kind of really understood maybe where I was or to help. But that's kind of how it all started as well, actually. I forgot to mention that. It was when I was 16, I was in my own flat after being homeless at, at 15. So, yeah, after being in the Hamish Allen Centre for a wee while when I was 15, um, going in there in my, my school uniform, you know, I was in... A room and there was a shared room actually with um, two women who were I think addicted to drugs and prostitution and there was a whole load you know and I, I was 15 see when I think about it now looking back I'm like you were 15 so I was going away in my school uniform going to school coming back in there I was absolutely petrified at times but I got put me in a flat but didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't pregnant I wasn't it was just me I still was going to school they were like well we don't know what benefits you're supposed to get or how that's going to work so nobody really knew what to do with me you know um so I had I, I got a flat um and I think I just moved into just before my 16th birthday no just after my 16th birthday um and I was given loads of you know was broken furniture and stuff there um I had to be black and white telly with a wee aerial bit <laughs> I think it was a coat hang you had to kind of do that and that was my first yeah. <laughs> you know I was 15 floors up in Knightswood in the, in the high-rise flats you know and there, there was somebody dealing drugs next door to me and you know the lifts were always broken and so yeah I had I had given been given like you know it was a partly furnished flat and then you know my aunt got some stuff and you know other people set of drawers that you know your granny would have really dark woods and really so I started just doing there was no furniture paint and stuff like that then you know it was not a lot you know so gloss paint sharpies spray paints you know paper so I would start to decoupage and paint and do other things and kind of try and make it my own so I kind of felt like it was mine you yeah. know that that kind of self-worth you know I felt like I don't know it was it was like you weren't worth much you know um so that's kind of how it started I, I think and and my gran's always been a quite a big inspiration um to me so I used to go see my gran and she was like from that age where you make do and mend and you know you would use whatever you had her bedspreads would end up going to like cushion covers and then yeah. tea towels and then <laughs> you know and then it'd be like we clothes for the dollies that you would get down the brigade we would go in <laughs> you know um in those times that would have been like out of necessity it's just like well you don't throw stuff away you reuse it whereas now we're realizing this you know the, the actual environmental impact of throwaway culture and the, the importance but also I think in, in realizing that we're starting to just understand like the joy of again we go back to that ownership of making something you know not from pulling expensive materials together or 
having all the skills in the world it's just like you can have something that's already in your house and you can make it more personal to you you can brighten it up you can change it you can give it a new lease of life and I feel like that that trust of George that you were given is like a bit of a, like a symbol what that meant to you at the time you could never have imagined surely at that point where you would be now no what you would have achieved no and you know I, I didn't even know how I was going to get through through you know put myself through school and all the rest of it but those we set of drawers and that kind of grown up with my gran you made do because you didn't have that you didn't have that income you didn't have all the stuff that was made and manufactured you used what you had you had the resources and that's what we need to get back to and I feel that that's kind of where we're we're going but we so need to do that faster as well and that is really you know fundamental aspect of we read up cycles as well is use what you have even if I had all the money in the world I would not be going out and just frivolously buying stuff and this and that it's just so wasteful and we need to take better care of you know the environment but that all all those skills as well like darning socks putting buttons on or zips or you know taking something in we need to get back to people having those skills and repairing stuff you know rather than throwing stuff away but manufacturers as well need to make stuff that we can actually blim and repair which is happening Mm. there's a new legislation going through about that the right to repair but yeah you're right we need to get back to that and yeah those we chest of drawers you know I, I took them to uni as well it's just like a wee one um yeah and it came to uni with me but I at that point could never see I mean I just turned 16 I was in a flat moan I was like what am I doing but I knew that I just couldn't be in the situation I was in so had to get out of it and it was really really tough I would go to school everybody you know was going home to get their dinner cooked for them and everything and going to their clubs or whatever I was getting the bus home to go do my shopping to cook my dinner and I was the one that had to make myself you know do my homework and everything and study but I did have a friend and their family kind of took me under their wing you know and it was just like if I you know I'd get £34.26 I think you know a week you know I had to buy my food I had to buy my bus pass my school uniform because I didn't get the grant for that because I was on income support because it was me so and I didn't get a travel thing so all of that and then my food and also my electricity we cards you know so yeah I had all that to do when I was 16 so so when I look back I'm just like wow (laughs) so when things come up I'm like you've went through tougher times in this line come on but yeah it it was quite hard you know um I think everybody's parents thought I was this this really out of control child they didn't understand why I was in a flat on my own you know my friends and stuff but once I got to know me and knew the situation and things they were really supportive so yeah I did have you know really good pals actually and their parents were brilliant as well. It goes back to that kind of idea of like walk a, a mile in somebody else's shoes or like take the time to say hello to someone how are you because you don't know what someone's life is like it just goes back to what you've been saying all along about the ethos of We Read Up Cycles and the people you work with and not underestimating people and not just writing them off and deciding that they're one thing and that they're not capable. Obviously, those teachers saw what was in you and you had a, an innate belief in yourself, I'm sure, because there must be something in you, you you know that you can do it. Yeah, I, th- I think there is, although I doubt myself quite a lot. And like, you know, you're saying about that imposter syndrome, I've been trying not to say that word to myself because I'm like, 
because I do say that quite often and I often think that oh my god people are going to see through me here am I really doing this or are they just going to think what's she up to so I do have that imposter syndrome quite a lot and I think at the start of we read up cycles you know I'm like I really had that a lot but now I'm like no so yeah that imposter syndrome but I'm I'm starting to kind of try to reframe that and just say right I don't know that yet but I'll I'll find out we should never stop growing and learning and challenging ourselves absolutely and to say that to young people that you're saying when it's how you speak to people in general but especially the impressionable young people but yeah I must there is something in me I think and I'm trying to try to work out what that is now, as an avid fan, which I massively appreciate of the podcast, you'll know that I do a thing called the Hingamajigs. There's been a new one added to the list, Lynn. It's actually Dermot O'Leary asked Dave Grohl it on a documentary I was watching recently. It was really cool. It was just a kind of look back at his career. And he asked him, rather than that, what would you say to your 16-year-old self? He asked Dave Grohl, what would your 16-year-old self say to you now? What do you think Lynn at 16 would say to you now if they could see you? Just go for it. Don't think too much. Just do it. I think we overthink things. And I think at 16, just took so many chances at 16. You just did it. You know, I don't think I would like to be 16 again, but to have that fearlessness to go, you know what? I don't care what you think about me. You think I can't do this. Watch me. That, that total, oh, that rebelliousness and just go for it. Absolutely. Maybe I should actually talk to my 16-year-old self a wee bit more, actually, because I think she would give me a good kick up the arse, to be fair. (laughs) But, you know, we just overthink things and doubt ourselves. What's the worst that can happen? Best day you've ever had. Now, if you want to answer that from a wee red up cycles perspective, like if you can think of one day that's just been really monumental in your journey so far. Oh, I think that would probably have to be one of our kids' workshops. There was a wee boy that came along and he was on the autistic spectrum and he didn't think he was going to join in. His mum didn't, so she would just sign his brother up um, and go and take him away. And I was like, no, 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 bring him in, it's okay. He doesn't quite like noise, but we've got ear defenders, don't worry, you know, quiet space and everything. Oh my goodness me. By the end of the day, he was chatting to people, he was hammering, he was nailing, and I stood back and just had a wee moment where... I saw him interact and then say my daughter was on that one as well. And both of them taking charge to tell the older ones how to how to do nail art was phenomenal. That that's one of those wee moments that sticks in my head that goes, This is why, you know. Um there was a there was another one where the girls um, from the girls group as well had the stall at the it was social in the garden. And it was about 12,000 people that came throughout that weekend and there were stalls, social enterprises that had their stalls in Princess Street Gardens. And I just, it was a lovely, lovely day. I sat back, their turn on the stall and just watched them chat to people. And the pride and the joy that came from them telling people how they made the tables, how they upcycled that, how they made that was amazing. And actually that's one of the, the ones that sticks in the young girl who now volunteers for us she told me that the other day we went on like a three-hour walk and she was chatting about that and that was a couple of years ago you know um she still um, remembers how amazing that was and how it made her feel and that was what three three and a wee bit years ago and Lynn you'll know this one's coming because I ask everybody on the podcast what is your favorite Scottish word or phrase I think Hodger wished I quite like that my granny used to say it to me all the time Hodger wished but I do like I just love the word I wished and I fabulous Scottish words for sure 
Lynn, this has been a total privilege and just a joy to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time and energy. And I wish We Red Upcycles and you just all the best. I can't thank you enough for joining the clan. I think anybody listening to this will just be totally bowled over by you and what you've achieved. Oh, thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing to do this. I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been amazing. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.